Los Angeles, 1937. There are lots of guys like J.J. Gittes. They're easy to find, if you want to find them. Mr. Gittes, have we ever met? Well, no. Never? Never. Since you agree with me that we've never met before, you must also agree with me that I've never hired you to do anything, certainly not spy on my husband. I don't get tough with anyone, Mr. Giddies. My lawyer does. You do your job. And sometimes you find the answers to questions that should never be asked. Welcome to Movies, Charles Hadn't Seen, episode 27. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And this week we watched the 1974 movie Chinatown. So, Charles, what was Chinatown about? Uh, it's, it follows a private investigator by the name of Jake Giddies, uh, who normally tracks um, people who suspect their wife or husband of adultery. And uh, it starts out with them getting a fairly routine adultery case uh, of the wife of a guy who's involved with the water and power of L.A., and, you know, he finds him with another woman, turns in the info, and thinks uh, that that'll be that. But then the real wife shows up. So it turns out it was the fake wife ordering that investigation. The real wife shows up and sues him. And he kind of looks into the situation. And, like, the guy turns up dead. The plot thickens. And turns out... <laughs> <laughs> and the plot thickens. Yes. It turns out that um, <laughs> this was all tied into a plot by the wife's father to buy up a ton of cheap land to the northwest of L.A. and then provide water to it through a dam to increase the land value and just make a ton of money off of that. The husband did not approve of it and knew of the plan, and so he was killed because of that. Giddies tries to set up some elaborate plot to get all the perpetrators caught and to let the wife escape with her daughter who is revealed to be the incestuous love child of her father and her. But this plan all goes completely awry, and the wife gets shot in the head. Um, the father um, gets possession of the daughter. Nobody gets arrested. Yeah, not a super happy ending. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> dark, movie. dark ending. Yeah. Uh, so uh, last week, when we picked this movie... You picked this movie. Well, yeah, we. I picked this movie, but uh, <laughs> you had stepped out of the room and Crossman hypothesized that you would hate this movie, and it wasn't a great choice because you'd hate it so much. Oh, yeah. um, so did you hate this movie? I didn't hate it. Okay. No, I, 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 like I enjoyed it. it. I enjoyed wow. it. Oh, yeah. There, there so were definitely wrong. parts <laughs> where I felt like it was dragging I, I on wrong. a bit, because uh, it did, it did That's feel like... That's what I like, thought you wouldn't like about it. It felt like a long movie yeah. to me, but at the same time, I felt very captivated um, by Giddies' like, various detective techniques. He was very clever throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, I was interested in the kind of growing plot, and I wanted to find out what was actually going on, because there was clearly more to it. And, you know, I, I liked L.A. Noir a lot, and it very obviously is based off of this movie, where <laughs> yes. <you> know, <laughs> yeah. the, the private investigator, I guess in L.A. Noir, he was a cop, but he investigates various cases and links it to a much larger case. You know, I just find that kind of plot element very compelling. Yeah, well, this, yeah, is, this movie appeals to you. And it's see. very loosely based on a true story. Really? Um, yeah. I did read that the water <laughs> thing was yeah. relatively similar to what actually happened. Yeah, so yeah, it's based upon the, uh, yeah, the, the Valley uh, Water Syndicate 
which was a great... Doesn't sound shady at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's what it came to be known as. I don't know if it was known as... They didn't as call that. themselves that. Yeah, the, right. the, so the San Fernando yeah, Syndicate. Um, they, I have, which I have an interesting connection to. Uh, <laughs> All right. So it turns out you own some land in Northwest. <laughs> no. Um, so one of the people involved. So there was a group of rich people who executed the plot that's mm-hmm. like described in Chinatown, where right. they they create a freak drought. They use the drought to buy up land in San Fernando Valley, and then when it turned out that there wasn't a drought, the land was very valuable, and then they were able to turn the like essentially like. In, into a residential area, okay. and it's now one of the largest residential areas in the country. country. Yeah, mm-hmm. if it was its own city, which it's not, it's part of LA. It would be like the fifth largest city in the country, okay. or something. <laughs> so, um, my connection to it is pretty loose. But uh, one of the people, or actually a couple of the people involved, one of which was um, Henry Gray Otis, um, and his relative by marriage, uh, Harry Chandler, I believe. Um, they provided the money for Otis College of Art and Design uh, later okay. in their lives, or the family did. And Otis College is named after Henry Gray Otis. <laughs> and I got my graduate degree from <laughs> Otis College. Right, you got yeah. some of that dirty uh, there you money. Go. So, so, so I have a graduate degree because of <laughs> yeah. This so your degree is illegitimate, essentially. Yeah, is what we're saying. Okay. Yeah, glad we we um, that out. We, this family owned many things within. <laughs> Uh, Los Angeles. So they also I imagine they yes. only they yeah. were like the uh, owners of the Los Angeles Times and okay. like uh, were like sort of notorious union busters. Uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> they're a good good group, <laughs> good folks there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I did I did not know that. That's, yeah, that's something. Um, I didn't even know this was that closely tied to a true story. So that's yeah. That's the general too. framework is like true, right? Um, yeah. I mean, the individual characters. I imagine probably yeah, are, yeah. I, I don't think like story I don't know if murder was actually <laughs> involved, involved, right? Probably not uh, that many private eyes. It's never that yeah. interesting in real life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you want more people to get murdered. <laughs> it's more to, fun to when keep there's murder. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I always found that really fascinating. Yeah. When I learned about the history, I was like, <laughs> that oh, is wow. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or surprised me anyway. Yeah. Um, but I did pick this movie. Yeah. Uh, this was mine. Uh, this was one of the movies I picked just because, not just because, but largely because I just wanted to watch it. And <laughs> this was an excuse to do so. I hadn't seen it in a while. Um, so I honestly wasn't sure if it would hold up for me. Um when I sat down to watch it, but I still loved it. I really? It was, yeah. Yeah. I thought I'm it was really, really surprised good. you doubted. But. Yeah. I mean, just because I hadn't seen it in so long. Okay. Um, it, it had been probably a good 10 years since oh. I'd seen this movie. Um, right. So it, it had been a while. Uh, but yeah, it was still just worked completely front to back. Like mm-hmm. I thought I thought it was really, really good. Um, I'd seen more Polanski at this point than I had prior to when my, my first viewing. I think this was the first Polanski movie I ever saw. Um, so it was interesting to contextualize it that way. Um, but yeah, I still thought it worked really well. Um, I don't really have any complaints about it. I think it's just going to be a list of things that I liked about this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there aren't so many. Um, one interesting thing that Crossman, you pointed out um, off the air is that this was originally titled uh, Water and Power, mm-hmm. um, which is I thought was a little on the nose, but certainly does identify the theme, the primary theme of this movie really well. Yeah. Um, and that I, I found it. I found it effectively explored here. What I found more interesting on this viewing than I did on, or didn't pick up on in my previous viewing, was how this is not really a conflict between the working class and the rich. It's a conflict between like 
the upper middle class than the rich, mm -hmm. the really rich, like the powerful. Because <laughs> they go through a lot of steps here to show that Jake is a fairly wealthy man, like is pretty well off. Mm -hmm. And I found that I found that dynamic interesting. It reminded me of Eyes Wide Shut, um, but here it was similarly nuanced. So I'd, I'd notice the class themes more. Yeah, and the farmers that are kind of getting screwed over by the syndicate are most right. likely like fairly, like wealthy oh, as yeah. well. Yeah, and, and but they're they're not like the the one percent one percent. They're yeah. like five, the five percent essentially. Right, and, right. Yeah. He draws this because the same thing happens in Eyes Wide Shut, and neither of you have seen that movie. I've not. Uh, seen yeah, it. I haven't seen. Okay, it. so one of the big ideas in Eyes Wide Shut is that we have the Tom Cruise character who is a doctor and like a well-off doctor, and they show you early on that he like is in this fancy penthouse and mm -hmm. he can afford to throw money around, but he is still cut off from these people who don't have to work for a living that are essentially the leisure class and pulling all the strings and tossing lives aside at, at a whim. And he still has to work mm -hmm. literally with his hands to do his job. Yeah. And I see similar themes here where we have Giddies as a character who is, he has two employees, he has a nice office, he's constantly dressed really well, but he still has to actually go out into the world and do work in yeah. order to maintain that lifestyle. Whereas someone like the John Houston character doesn't isn't interested in that, doesn't have to do that, doesn't he, he even... He needs his fish and his henchmen go do the work. Exactly. Yeah, he's, exactly. Playing a, he's playing a chess uh, right. rich or, or the upper middle class are like not able to play. So, so, yeah, yeah, can't can't get into that level. He doesn't yeah. even need to understand how much money he has. Whereas I'm sure Gideon knows exactly how much money he has in yeah. the bank. Yeah. yeah, and like that, it's drawing that fundamental distinction. That's explored in an interesting way in um, Get Out as well. Sure. Yeah, because like the the main character Get Out is like pretty well. Like he has a nice apartment. He's a photographer, yep. which is like a leisurely job. It's yep. it's something you have to do, but it's it's not like a yeah. He's, he's not, not working in a factory, laying steel or anything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <coughs> um, so it's like the sort of like the white one percent like preying on like the black one percent. Right. And it's yeah, like like, an interesting. Yeah, and as a as a black thematic. person, like even when you're successful, yeah. you're not able to access this white world in the same way mm -hmm. that a similarly successful white person would be able to. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, similar dynamic here. Uh, this movie is also famous for its script. It's one of the most well-regarded original scripts. Yeah. That was its only Oscar. Taught was in film school. For, yeah, yeah, taught in film school was for original mm -hmm. screenwriting. And so I flipped through it again in preparation for this episode. And in the first one or two pages, uh, there's a lot in the script that don't, like can't be translated to screen. Mm -hmm. And in the first one or two pages when uh, the Jack Nicholson character is talking to Curly, the guy mm -hmm. who's like saw his wife cheating, there's a paragraph where uh, Jack, there's a shot in the movie where Jack Nicholson is pouring him some whiskey and like giving him the, the, the shot. And in the script, it says that he browses through his whiskey and selects a less expensive brand <laughs> to give to this guy. And like, there's no way to communicate that on film, right? Like, you yeah. can't really show that. Yeah, but there is a moment where you see Nicholson like <laughs> hesitate for a second, then like grab a different bottle. Uh, and like, I, I, I right, it, there's no way to pick it up yeah. except by just reading the script. It's like, it's not in the movie, really. Um, but I love that this movie finds little ways like that within the writing to communicate this idea that Nicholson is aware of the class difference. He is able to identify that this guy won't know the difference between good whiskey and bad whiskey, yeah. and will just appreciate whatever is given to him. Um, it's 
it so cleverly draws out the themes and it doesn't like right off the bat in the first also the first a quick note about pages. that scene he's in a white suit and that's definitely a Casablanca reference right possibly yeah that <clears throat> that is I, I, I thought the white suit from Casablanca was like really iconic yeah it, it is it, it definitely is so it very well may be and I guess this would have been relatively when this movie takes place would have been pretty close to when Casablanca takes place as well um, so yeah, I, that's a good catch. I didn't, I didn't put that together, but the suits are important and the dress is important mm -hmm. uh, in this movie. Um, what do we think of Nicholson? Like this is he carries the movie. Um, how, how does he land? Um, I don't think I have a specific or productive comment about him. I mean, <laughs> oh, he was convincing. Yes, he, he yeah he was persuasive as a private eye that knows what's what. Um, this is a young Nicholson. Yes. He's very spry in this movie. <laughs> he, yes. still, he still looks kind of old. He has, he's young. Yeah. He has a weird face. That hairline, <laughs> too. Is yeah, there, is, there yeah. is that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but you compare him to, like, even Nicholson 20 years ago, and it's night and day, right? Like, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. This is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he he's in, like, good shape in this movie. And, yeah, he's, like, uh, climbing up on roofs all the time and yeah. climbing over fences. And you see stuff. him now, he's, like, yeah, he gets beat like up. a wreck. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. he did a fine enough job that I could kind of get where his character was. Like, you know, he's a guy who like does have morals and cares about what's right, but also cares about his pocketbook. You know that kind of thing. Right. There's this balancing act that he is, he wants to do what he what is right as long as it doesn't cost him his, yeah. up his status as you know doing better than the average private eye. Right. Like. Well, he like he. I mean, he's like he defends his like business, but he's in like a sketchy business. <laughs> yeah, there is that scene in the barbershop. Nah, he's, yeah. he's an honest man. Yeah. He makes an honest living. Um, an which honest living. he does. Like, he runs a business. It is, like, useful to society. But it's, you know, it is sketchy what yeah. he does. Yeah. yeah. Or, like, kind of low he's, he's like he's the, got to trespass a lot. No, he's like the TMZ, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Although it's, it's in... I mean, he is and he isn't. Um, yeah. It's interesting that we have this movie that takes place in L.A. that doesn't mention the movies, right? Like, there's no mention of Hollywood. They don't really mm -hmm. throw out any names of actors or film or anything like that. It's this L.A. movie that's not really concerned with the fantasy of Los Angeles and seems like it's more about the actual lived-in experience of Los Angeles. And I think this is also about, <laughs> like, this is about, like, the moment when L.A., like, really becomes L.A. Because, sure. like, without these projects like the water project like LA can't <coughs> exist or function as a city because yeah. otherwise it's just like a desert and you need yeah. these like engineering projects to make LA like work the as whole. a city yeah. um, and so like Hollywood might be the reason that people are like coming to LA right. but it's the water that like makes LA right. as a city which is yeah. why that original yeah. title is so insightful right yeah. water and power Mm -hmm. um, not just because it's the name of the department, but also that is really, you're right, what built yeah. the city. Mm -hmm. So I, I learned about that through, again, through Gradsville Connection, um, uh, talking to the chair of the writing department at okay. uh, Otis. And he was insistent that it was a better title. Okay. <laughs> and um, he also was insistent that the sequel to this movie, The Two Jakes, Which I've not seen. is a better film. Okay. Oh, wow. And he, he was all adamant. All I read was that it was critically panned. <laughs> Yeah. That's all I saw about yeah. that. He was adamant that it's like a better movie. Which is interesting. Yeah. I, I haven't seen it, so I have no so, opinion. But um, that is was my understanding, is that it was just largely not well regarded. Yeah. And 
that was him. So, well, if you trust this random guy, like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's I, a better I, I movie. trust Nicholson more than yeah. this random guy, but um, I've I've seen it. I, I did like it, and I thought it was an interesting like turn to because uh, the the sequel investigates um, the discovery of oil in the San Fernando Valley. The what? The discovery of oil. Okay. It's about like the the development of like the oil industry in L.A. Oh, okay. Um, which is like the other big industry in LA. Right, right. So, yeah, and, and that's yeah. kind of what I like about this one is that it's yeah. it's dealing with something. I mean, it's this isn't a drug plot, yeah. right? It's not a story yeah. about like some political scandal. Well, it is, but it it's, is, like, yeah. it's not like a, a, a mistress that got a little lippy, right? Like it's yeah. not that kind of thing. It's about something fundamental to how people live, right? Like it's just, it has immediately such gravity to it. And I like the seriousness of this movie. I like that it's dealing with something that really matters and like knows it. Yeah, and there was a planned third movie, but it didn't get made because the second one didn't do well. Um, but that one was going to be about uh, the, the development of the freeway system. Okay, oh. the three takes, right? It was going to be called uh, um, <laughs> Clover Cloverleaf. Right. Okay. Yeah. Which is clever because it's yeah. Yeah. And also there's three leaves. Yeah. Kind of thing. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd watch that. Like that sounds yeah. like it could be interesting. But yeah, I think you're right that like this isn't like in in your face scandal that the movie like digests. It's kind of like the the sort of like the boring side of like how cities run themselves. Yeah. And in in a, in a way, it's like there's this level of corruption that we we don't see because we're not interested in things that are like not like affairs. Like they're they're right. they're not like flashy scandals. This is a group of rich people that like stole the water from Los Angeles and got very rich because Even of it. Rich. Behind the scenes, yeah. And it wasn't like an interesting or scandalous thing. Right. And they were able to do that because of that. Right. And it's kind and of... They became in, incredibly in the movie, rich. Like, <laughs> the only yeah. thing that actually appears in the newspaper from all this is yeah. the initial um, adultery that he revealed. <laughs> and the murder. Yeah. 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 Um, but you, yeah, which it wasn't even presented as murder, right? Like they, it was, they, everyone thought it was a suicide and never they, really uh, got out in any public way that he was killed. Yeah. I mean, but you're right. Like this is a movie that has a scene where the guy is examining landholding records. Right? Like that's the kind of yeah. stuff yeah. that is important in understanding the narrative of these kinds of scandals. And yeah. it's the kind of stuff that's, it's kind of, the, the movie kind of constructs this argument for why narrative is important, right? Because one of the reasons that nobody's paying attention to these kinds of scandals is that it's so hard to construct a story about them. And it's so hard to grasp onto the tangibility of it. Yeah, Jake is actually like an unbelievable character because he's yeah. actually able to see <clears throat> the entire scandal. Like he, right. he's able to see every single level of the scandal and as such is like not a believable character in reality right yeah, yeah like that he's able to piece it together like kind of he's like a good that. detective he's yeah. a really good detective yeah. he's, he seems like the, right and like he, this this is the like illuminati level like <laughs> uh, right, scandal right. but he's right and it's real yeah i mean although and he is the people who were involved in this like those families are like old money la and they're yeah. still very rich to this day in yep. LA and, and own yep. like a lot of the you know the, the property or like the land rights in LA. Yep. So I agree like, the property is that that still like has an effect to today. Yeah, like, yeah. you're exactly right. Because I, yeah. I I imagine none of these people were ever prosecuted or even indicted. I I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. And I mean and that's kind of the ending of this movie, right? Mm -hmm. The the forget it, it's Chinatown. Uh, it's 
it's not just that they can attempt this stuff and be successful. It's that when they're discovered, they're not punished, mm -hmm. right? Like it's not even about getting away with it. Like they they get away with it in the sense that they're nobody captures them, but people figure it out. They don't have to get and away like, with anything. Right, exactly. No, that's a good way to put it. It's like they don't they don't have to have a, a much of a scheme to conceal anything because even when they're discovered, nothing bad happens to them. Yeah. Right? Like the lady gets shot and he gets the daughter that he wants. He gets all the money that he can't count and that's the end of the movie. Yep. Well, <laughs> even um, nobody believes Jake. <clears throat> right. And he, like, he has all the evidence. Yep. But the people wouldn't believe him. Or even examine the evidence. Yeah, yeah. They, which suggests that it's, maybe it's not so much that they don't believe him, but they know that if they did believe him and did agree with him and examine the evidence, like even if he's right, it doesn't matter because these people are so powerful that mm -hmm. they are immune to the legal justice system. Yeah, and their their play <laughs> is so thoughtful, such that like the people who they're hurting the most are the ones that are defending them. Yeah, and on their side. Yeah. So we see the farmers like. At the beginning, of the, or towards early, early in the movie, one of the farmer, like, there's a city council meeting exactly. about a water bond yeah. issue. You yes. know, the, the most exciting scene <laughs> in the movie. Yes. And one of the farmers, like, brings his goats in. Right. And tells the con the council to, like, buy his goats because he... What's he going to do with them? Yeah. Yeah. Because they're going to die because there's they, no water. There's nothing for them to eat or drink. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and But that's the person who's getting screwed over the most by the people that he's like on the side of, yep. which is like, we need the dam, we need the water. Right. And they've convinced him right. that he yeah. needs that. This is the whole scheme. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, which yeah. we see playing out in politics today, right? Like, oh, where... that this is a perfect metaphor for <laughs> what is happening. <laughs> Not even a metaphor isn't even yeah. necessary, right? Yeah. It's literally what's happening. Yeah. Is that people are getting, you know, bamboozled to, to fight against their own their own interests, and apparently that's been happening since the 30s. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's been happening forever, yeah. Well, well right? before the 30s, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's certainly true. Um, this movie, for being such a genre film, yeah. right, like this is, a, this is a film noir in a very traditional sense. Well, it's like um, a neo-noir, right? Well, in the sense it's that like, it's not being made in the 30s, right? Right, yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's from the 70s. So. Yeah. Um, what I found interesting about it on this viewing is how little it references other noir films, right? Like there, it's it's a genre that is often in conversation with itself. Uh, it's a lot like horror in that respect, mm -hmm. not to the same degree, but in a similar manner. And this movie doesn't do that, right? It is kind of its own thing. <laughs> it 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 has like some <laughs> elements. Like it has the femme fatale. Right, but yeah. then she kind of isn't, right? Like, they have the, yeah. this femme fatale that is also not the femme fatale and has this really weird twist at the end yep. that kind of throws her sexuality into a whole different light. Mm -hmm. uh, and and it, we don't have the... Because one of the, the hallmarks of, like, the Philip Marlowe stories and the Big Sleep stories, which would have been the calling card for noir at the time, mm -hmm. was that Marlowe is tricked constantly in those movies, right? Like he's wrong all the time, he's misunderstanding the scope and the yeah. interactions of, of the mystery that he's dealing with, whereas Jake is uber competent. That's true, now that you earlier. mention it. I always yeah. expected him to be, to have misinterpreted something somewhere right, along but the lines. He just, I feel like that's a trope that always happens. Yeah, and it is, and this, this movie does always do right. That. Yeah, the only time he's really wrong is about the glasses, uh, mm -hmm. when he accuses, uh, Faye Dunaway of killing Hollis. Yeah. Um, and even that he like fixes it and figures out immediately afterwards. 
I thought that was a clever yeah. pun, by the way, to use the Asian accent uh, for the guy saying, "Oh, the salt water is not good for the glass." And he thinks he means uh, grass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's true. Um, so yeah, I, I, that was a great way to like sort of use Jake's like racism against him. Yeah, because right. he's shown to be like racist earlier in the movie. Like he's enthralled with this like racist station joke oh yeah like yeah uh, god that was terrible and, and that like but that's like used against him in a film right right but, like he doesn't take the the garden it's one of those classic comedy moments seriously the, the, the joke scene <laughs> yeah yeah it's a classic comedy trope yeah. and then um if, if he had <laughs> just listened to the gardener he would have figured it out much earlier much earlier yeah yeah yeah. And his racism, like, kind of betrays him. Yeah, that's, from that. that's absolutely true. That, yeah. That's a good catch. Um, yeah, because, uh, and then to, to give context, like, the gardener, um, like, the key to this is that the there's, like, a little fountain in, mm-hmm. in the... Like a pond. Yeah, yeah. A, a pond yeah. that has salt water in it, which is, like, killing the grass. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the clue there is that um, the guy that he had been following had uh, salt water in his lungs. Yeah. And as such had been drowned at the house and then placed... In the water duct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. To make message. it look like an accident. Right. Yeah. But he, he, so he mishears yeah. grass, or he mishears glass as grass. Yeah. When he should have been. And then dismisses the yeah. the Chinese gardener <laughs> because of that. Well, like, right. so, yeah. I still think that the gardener was actually trying to say grass. I don't think he saw the glasses in the pond because he probably would have fished them out. Yeah. But he misses out on that clue. Yeah. It's It's a play on the, like, the accent. Yeah. 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 Yeah, although yeah, um, I, yeah, totally. although since we, we raised the point, this movie doesn't totally escape some pretty orientalist ideas. Um, yeah, all of the servants are Asian, right? Yeah, but pretty much every single one, and which, the, which may have been historical <clears throat> well, for the time, yeah. right? And yeah. it probably was, but yeah. I mean, I feel like if you were actually being historical, you could, some of them certainly could have been white or black or mm-hmm. Hispanic in California, um, and the other like overarching orientalist theme here is just the idea of Chinatown as this place where anything goes and it's lawless and foreign and unfamiliar and mm-hmm. which was also historical to LA so are, are you familiar with that what, part of it well and well what are you referring to so the the, <coughs> the police department's treatment of Chinatown in Los Angeles oh yeah sure yeah, yeah they treated them like shit yeah no so they uh, well they did yeah, yeah. But they, <laughs> yeah. no yes yeah. Uh, but also um, in Chinatown because um, the police officers, officers didn't speak Chinese. Right. They were never sure, like, if they're helping or hurting what was sure. what was happening in Chinatown, sure. and as such, declined to police yeah. Chinatown for a very like long period of time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so the the famous line at the end of the movie, yeah. like, uh, was it like <laughs> forget it, take us to Chinatown. Forget what what he means is. Right. Like, this is lawless. The police are not going to do anything in Chinatown yeah. in, in to correct the murder that just happened in front of everybody. Right. Right. Yeah. Just the absurdity of it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, the, I mean, that is yeah. true. Yeah. Um, and, and, and well heard. I think there yeah. are still some, again, oriental stereotypes here that are yeah. correct to notice and correct to point out yeah. um, and, and should not be ignored. Uh, that I don't really want to let Polanski off the hook for because I think he's probably a pretty racist guy. <laughs> like that wouldn't surprise me about Polanski. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know anything about it. I'll agree with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I okay. mean, he's a known scumbag. Like, yeah. So yeah. yeah. <clears throat> right. Exactly. There's a reason he lives in France. So yes, yeah. yes, there is. <laughs> um, 
What other Polanski have you seen? I know I, this is probably your first Polanski movie. I don't. I think I saw snippets of Macbeth in middle school. Okay. We did Macbeth. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's sure. about it. I actually might have seen that as well. I I saw that. Um, I don't think I. I don't remember any of it. Yeah, because this is his most famous movie. He's an actor in Rush Hour Three. Okay. <laughs> He's an actor in this movie. Yeah. Oh no! I was just I like. Just gave them a weird yeah. look because I was IMDb. <laughs> yeah. It's like, is that what? why they said that in France? <laughs> yeah, probably. In order to bring in Polanski. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, th- I mean, this is probably his best known movie, uh, This and Rosemary's Baby. Um, yeah. I, I feel like he doesn't get, he doesn't fall in the same category as somebody like uh, some of his contemporaries, like uh, Scorsese or Coppola or, or Kubrick. And despite being an excellent filmmaker, like this is a real, on a technical level, this is a really well-made movie. Um, it has a, many, many interesting shots that drive the story forward. It's purposeful camera yeah. work. Like it's, it's very well constructed. He doesn't have the same stylistic calling cards that some of those other directors have, right? So you look at Scorsese, yeah. and even though he's made a lot of things that aren't gangster movies, most of what he's made that he's known for are gangster movies, right? So I think that if you, it's easier to, to like brand him. Same thing with Kubrick, right? Like we've talked many times about his very distinctive and precise style yep. throughout his movies, even though he's made, you know, things ranging from, you know, war satires to horror to psychosexual dramas, right? Like, but they all have that same look to them. Polanski doesn't really do that, right? He doesn't have this kind of, stylistic or genre branding that these other filmmakers make or have it's because he's making Rosemary's Baby and then he's making Macbeth and then he's making Chinatown and then he's making you know Bitter Moon right like so these are all drastically different movies that look different and are about different things and I think that may have hurt his legacy a little bit as a filmmaker. The thing that hurt his legacy—it's hard to imagine what a, what it would look like, right? And, and hard when when you say this is a Polanski movie, you don't necessarily know what you're getting. Yeah. And so obviously, the thing that hurt his legacy most significantly is being a creepy child rapist. <laughs> this didn't help either. I I think in terms of like being able to say this is what a Polanski movie looks like. Um, I haven't seen enough films to contribute, so oh, okay. yeah, I've, I've, <laughs> okay. like I've only seen Chinatown. Yeah. You haven't seen Rosemary's Baby? No, that think so. seems like something you would like. It's a core classic. I've heard. Yeah, yeah. I just it, haven't seen it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, well, even yeah. His, his more recent stuff does is, is similar. Like it, it, you haven't seen Ghost Rider with uh, Ewan McGregor and Chris Brosnan, I think was in it. Not Ghost Rider with Nicolas Cage. Not Rider. I've seen that. Rider with a, <laughs> with a T and a W. Um, Rider. Writer. Uh, it was good, but it's it doesn't. Ghost Rider, the show on PBS, the kids show. <laughs> yeah, not that either. Um, so Charles, you might but... be too young for that reference. No, I, I I feel like I remember that. Do you? I don't know if I remember that. It rings a vague bell. Um, yeah, it was like this group of kids. They solved mysteries, and they were <laughs> assisted by a ghost, which was like this like CGI like bright light, essentially. That sounds really dumb. And yeah, it was a kids <laughs> show on PBS. So. Okay. I mean, so it's gonna be dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. No, Polanski did not make that. Uh, he made a movie with Ewan McGregor and Chris Brosnan, um, which was still pretty good, but looked nothing like anything he had done before. Um, so I think that there's a handful of authors or authors of uh, directors that function in the same kind of area like that, where you can't really mm-hmm. 
pin one movie to the yeah, next. Yeah, this is the Ghost Rider show. Okay. And it's a group of like very 90s looking children. And this glow on the desk is the Ghost Rider. He's like giving them clues to like investigate that. Okay. Often of which is like writing or like literature oriented clues. Yeah. Okay. So we'll have to post that picture when we uh, post it. Yeah, I'll post it on the Facebook. Yeah, look at this picture at this minute mark. (laughs) We can do one of those. Um, What did we think about about Faye Dunaway in this movie? Her her performance and her character kind of goes through several stages. but uh, I don't know, how did he land for you, Charles? There, there was always something mysterious <clears throat> about her. It always felt yeah. like there was more going on with her than <clears throat> she let on. And that was very compelling. I always wanted to keep watching and find out like what she was going to reveal. And, of course, the ultimate reveal was... Not what you saw uh, coming. <laughs> it was... <laughs> it escalated quickly. It's, <laughs> yeah. That is surprising. Yeah. It, it really yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. I did not expect that in the slightest. Yeah. Even... Like, I've heard about this movie, and I had a general vague idea that it wasn't going to work out in the end. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had no idea thought. just how badly it was going to go. Yeah, pretty pretty darn. But yeah. uh, holy shit, right? Like, that, yeah. tur- that turnaround, the reveal of, like, her daughter also being her sister and all that was really disturbing. And it just came out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, I think, the other, along with the joke scene, that's the other scene that doesn't age that well in this movie where mm-hmm. uh, Nixon starts slapping her around in his room like that. Yeah, yeah it's that, like the, that, that one, made it also the 70s all the more disturbing. Like, well, that's the woman Polanski like, solution. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, getting a woman to pull herself together is yeah. like hit her really hard. <clears throat> yeah, that, yeah, that is straight out of, I mean, that's there, specific there's to him. There's right instances of this. Yeah. Um, there, there's a joke, it's like played as a joke where he goes to his first client's house for oh. help oh, later yeah, in the yeah. movie. The wife has a black eye. The wife oh, has God, a black yeah, eye. I, yeah. I wrote that down in my notes, too. I'm yeah. like, oh, God. I was like, oof. Like, no. That one. Does not age well at all. No. Yeah. No. That was rough. And, and I think it, that... It's meant to be a joke. Like, it's... Or it's, like, played comically in that yeah. scene. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And I, I think that yeah. is that's partially the 70s, but I think that is also in no small part just... Polanski's own perspective. Oh um, yeah, totally. He's, he was a vile. He's still alive, so he is a vile son of a bitch, and <laughs> yeah. that is exactly how he treated his the people that he was with. Yeah. I mean, even like he gets a lot of sympathy because of Sharon Tate, but he treated her like garbage, mm-hmm. like up, up until her death. Like he was awful to her, and yeah. So that is the seventies. It's also him. Um, so yeah, a lot of jokes that didn't land that well. Yeah. Um, I like. I think that Faye Dunaway has a really malleable performance here in a way that Nicholson doesn't. Like, we get shades of Jake, right? Like, we see him in many different ways, but there's a broader range to what that character is doing here. And it's impressive that she really taps into all of it. uh, Something else I noticed was that when you first meet her, she seems so powerful and in control of everything. Yeah, and gradually is. And it just derails from there as the movie yeah. goes on. Yeah, she becomes less and less uh, able to deal with what's going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And well, it's like her, like, lies are catching up to her. Yeah. Right? Where yeah. She purposely doesn't ask for help because she needs to hide this, like, aspect of herself. Right. And then one um, lie leads to the next lie, which then she also and that all com- up compounds. And then, it also yep. leads to her death. It all yeah. kind of leads to her father finding her daughter. Yeah. Uh, like which is it, yeah, the investigation brings wanted. them together. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's the unfortunate irony of it. Yeah, that's that that's what tragedy looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the and the um he actually like models a pretty gruesome wound for her at the end that that yeah, kills it was really her. Gory. It was really like abruptly gory. 
uh, for the end of this movie that was a little surprising. I hadn't recalled that. I read an interesting comment praising the <clears throat> writing of the screenplay showing some parallels mm -hmm. um, in the movie relating to that scene because there's that earlier part where she reveals that the woman is her sister mm -hmm. um, and she's kind of like losing it and her head briefly the, hits yeah. the steering wheel yeah. um, causing sounds the, the horn, horn to go off. Yeah. Uh, and he also notes that she has an aberration in one of her eyes which turns out to be where she shot through. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, I but what I'm wondering, I guess, is like these are clever to note afterwards, but like when you're watching, do these really add anything to the viewing, really? Like, is it meaningful the, to the have fourth these parallels? I, I mean, that's I mean, just... like sometimes it feels silly to go back mm -hmm. after and be like, whoa, these parallels are so cool. It feels like I'm commenting on like a trashy TV show or something, you know? No, I think it's like a clever way to like sort of portend like what's going to happen later and but it's not like critical to the plot so like a crappy tv show would like lost would like <laughs> Ooh, uh, lost is great. used to be my favorite show i love, I love the first season yeah um they would <clears throat> amp that up so it's like obvious to the audience whereas yeah, like, like leaving the, it the past like, the the throwaway note about the aberration in her eye like yeah you would never think of it as foreshadowing or anything like that. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know about that. I, that, to me, just, like, added to, like, Nicholson's kind of, like, uh, fascination, like, infatuation with the character. And the, the, head, a, the head on the wheel, though, is an interesting detail, because it's, right. like... I guess that's so that that you're aware yeah. of what yeah, that the horn-sounding means at the end when, she, when that's the true. car gets yeah. shot and you hear the horn ringing. Yeah. And like, oh, God. But it's also not critical that you, like, uh, connect those two things to understand the movie, which I think is, like, mm -hmm. what's good about it. Because, like, a show like Lost would be, like, oh, you have to understand those two things together to get it. Yeah. This is like th this happened. It does portend like what's going to happen in the future, but it's not critical to understanding the story. Well, and I so. think that it, it it rewards subsequent viewings, not just in the sense that it's like, oh, I can feel clever because I recognize this thing, but it also marks her for doom early, mm -hmm. right? Like that's that's what it's sign signaling is that she is fated for death essentially, and okay. like you like we were discussing just now, how each of her decisions is basically wrong and leads mm -hmm. to her demise, it marks her as this fated character and okay. this tragic character um, early on. And you can start watching for those signals. So it's it's calling to mind, like when you watch it the next time, right? It's calling to mind her death and then you can say, oh, what got her to this point? What is she gonna do between now, the, this time that she hits her head on the steering wheel and the next time she hits her head on the steering wheel mm -hmm. that is going to connect these two things, right? So you can, you can kind of put together the narrative tissue of the character more easily, yeah. um, and it signals what's important early on um, because, because of this kind of foreshadowing. So it, it's useful narratively and, and thematically in that sense, mm -hmm. um, I think. Uh, speaking of the way this movie is constructed, uh, one thing I, I noticed on this viewing that reminded me of... Um, on every frame of painting video, which I think we've mentioned before. Uh, so this used a lot of split screen setups. Uh, so there's a, a great every frame of painting video about Drive, which I know you've seen, Charles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is a great movie. Um, where and I've he, seen that video like <clears throat> twice. Or it's really times. good and it's really fascinating. Uh, do you know? Have you seen this? You know what we're talking about? Uh, I've um, seen Drive. <laughs> okay, so there's a there's a video floating around the internet um, where he talks about how Refn 
frames that movie such that he is dividing the screen up mm -hmm. throughout. So he'll he'll do like a split left and right, yep. split top bottom, and sometimes in quadrants. Opposite quadrants, yeah. Right, and how there'll be different actions in each of these quadrants in a way that complement or contrast one another um, throughout the movie. And 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 what the video does is it'll play like the top half of the shot and then the bottom half of the shot and how they contrast with one another and like deliver different messages. Yeah. Um, in that way. This movie's doing a similar move, right? Like, uh, there's a lot of, uh, within doorways, people being framed, uh, one inside a room, and then you can look through a doorway and see activity on the outside. Um, the, the shot that I'm remembering is when Jake is at the police department talking with the, or no, when um, Faye Dunway is at the police department talking with the, uh, one of the police officers, and Jake is outside prowling back and forth, and she's not aware that he's there, and then he kind of shows up. Lots of fences, too. <clears throat> yes, a lot, of, a lot of fences both being mounted and looked through. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Windows being looked through, binoculars. Uh, it, everything is being uh, viewed through a uh, barrier right. um, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, and doorways function in a similar capacity. I don't know if this is specific <clears throat> use or effect, but I really like the scenes where you're like sitting in the car mm -hmm. with the driver. It's, it's kind of a shot that I've um, grown associated or that I've grown an association with the noir genre, sure. I guess. Sure. I don't know if that's a thing in previous movies before this, but I yeah, always well, like that shot. No, I mean, it's like car, cars are important to the yes. genre yeah. and like driving and driving culture. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Stakeouts. Again, because they're so oriented around Los Angeles too, yeah. like driving is like super important to it. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it just yeah. really brings me right into the action, I yeah. guess. Yeah, then there's a lot of uh, profile shots in this movie as well. Um, like there's one that I remember distinctly early on where uh, Jake is against a fence and the fence is separating him from the dry reservoir or river yeah. um, behind him, shot in a pretty tight profile. Uh, you also see a lot of conversations shot in profile, more than you'd expect. Uh, there's not a lot of shot reverse shot in this movie, which is mm -hmm. what you would see in a more conventionally framed film Yeah, <clears throat> that I found interesting uh, and compelling and it gives the movie a look it gives them it also gives it fewer cuts um, yeah. <clears throat> which keeps the tension high uh, so yeah there's a lot of interesting framing choices mm -hmm. um, and editing choices uh, that, that get us where we are I think it, it helps a lot though because it's a pretty chatty movie like yeah it's, yes it's mostly <clears throat> just conversations between people yeah and yeah. or like no talk at all in like the like investigation Sleuthing. stuff happening so it's not like exciting it's not like in your face exciting nope. but <laughs> yeah. but it carries itself really well like it it moves very methodically through this mystery and does a good job of like explaining to the viewer like what is happening yeah yeah it's it, well it still takes like a couple <clears throat> watches to totally get what is happening or it took me like a few watches to like totally get yeah, I feel what like was happening. A ton in the that film. I didn't pick up on just having yeah. one view. Yeah. Lots of small <clears throat> detail in this yeah. movie, and it really like adds up over time. I've seen this movie quite a few times, and it took a while to like get every piece of it. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. sure that I don't have them all because, like I said, yeah. I, this is the first time in a while that I watched it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so many moving pieces. Yeah. I um, had a lot of fun um, when they showed like his various detective techniques and piecing back together <clears throat> what he had done and yeah. what information yeah. he'd gained from that, like putting the stopwatch yeah. on the car. It's a classic. Again, <laughs> uh, and they don't 
they do such a good job of like not explaining it. They just show it. They yep. just show yeah, it. Like exactly. it's up to you to get it. Yeah. And or, if you don't get it, it's on you. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Or yeah. I think it was slightly more subtle than when he knocks out one of the rear tail lights on. So he can, so he yeah. can follow it. So yeah. it's easy to follow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. And I, I love. And a Western movie would have had. Uh, her saying like, "How did you find me? Oh, I knocked out your taillights, so I could follow you to the hotel." And blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, it, it trusts the audience, right? He yeah. he trusts the the script and Polanski. They they trust us to. Yeah, figure it that felt shit good out. to piece it back together. It's right, like my and own it's mystery. So, yeah, it's so much more satisfying. Yeah, yeah exactly. And th- there doesn't need to be like a big anguished moment from Jake at the end, right? Where he's like, "Oh, but this guy did it, and he knew all along that this is what was happening, and he killed this girl, and you all saw yeah. it, and blah 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 blah." Like he, we don't. Just like we don't need the narrative explicated to us, in the same way we don't need the emotion of the of the movie explained at us either. Like we get it because we yeah. feel it. We get yeah. it because it's on the screen. And it, it if he tries to if Plansky tries to come along and say, here are the things that you should be feeling, and you should be feeling these things because the main character is feeling them, and he's you're going to know that he's feeling them because he's going to explain them to you. Like <laughs> we stop feeling at them, right? Like we yeah. no longer engage with the movie on any kind of uh, emotional gut level. And that that's what's so so great about it. Like we we don't need a speech, we just have a look on his face and it comes together. Yeah. Yeah. It's like inception, right? They have to give you these emotions. They can't tell you that. Yeah, right, right. Just like inception. <laughs> just yeah. this movie is like inception. Gotta connect with our modern audience. <laughs> yeah. Uh this is a period piece. Yeah. Yeah. because uh, this was Pretty made in the, World War Two. Yeah, it was made in the seventies. Yeah. It takes place in thirty or something something like that yeah uh the two jakes takes place after world war ii that, okay and some of the characters are return return um to the like the la detective oh okay who he's like kind of working against yeah they have like a more friendly relationship in the sequel and i believe he's like lost <laughs> a leg or an arm or something because he had gone to to the war oh and then came back yeah how old is this character supposed to be? Because yeah, he doesn't right. look like he would be, you know, of warring. Age. Yeah, it, in this movie, didn't they conscript like people who are like pretty old? Yeah, well, and like, people are more willing to like volunteer, I guess, know. for World War. Yeah, II. like people into their like forties, like wow. think we're going. Yeah, I mean, you're, I, didn't, uh, I, I mean, guess I don't know. I'm how pulling how, that number out of the air, yeah. so I would. I don't know how that, yeah, but common that is, but apparently common enough for this guy to do it. I don't know how accurate Saving Private Ryan is, but they had like old soldiers. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is true. But, but that's like my only conception of <laughs> yeah, yeah, some movie. I understand war through pop culture. Yeah, yeah. I of course. Yeah. I understand basically everything through pop culture. Yeah. Um, um, so that that has like interesting parallels. Yeah. In in, in the sequel. Yeah. yeah. What I like about this movie as yeah. a period piece is that I mean, like what we were talking about earlier with the emotion and and plotting of the film is that it doesn't beat you over the head with this is 1931 or whatever year it is. No, right. it's just like the cars, the way they dress. Um, right, right. But they had pictures of FDR hanging out around. Right, they had the picture yeah. of FDR. They had, uh, him, he was like reading racing magazines throughout this movie and they were all talking about Seabiscuit. Um, so there's a, <laughs> there's a couple things that are like signaling this isn't It's 19- the old moon landing on the TV. <laughs> right. Yeah, but, they're but not just doing that. There's also yeah. no, like at the beginning, like, an opening, yeah, 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 exactly. There's yeah. no slide like that like spinning newspaper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> right. So th- I, I like that they're they're subtle with these time signifiers, yeah. right? And in, in such a way that it feels more natural, right? Because if you're just living in the world, you're not talking about the great events of the year. You're just living your life, and I, I, I feel like there there's enough small moments like that 
that are telling you that this isn't right now and that this is how it's different without saying, you know, here is the most important news story of 1930, whatever, mm. that it feels, it, the world feels so much more lived in. Yeah. Right? It feels so much more natural to have people existing here and stuff happening that matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and that is, that's tough to pull off. And I think it's a trap that a lot of uh, lesser directors fall into is to just like litter their scenes with yeah. calendars or whatever. Well, it's also like very accessible because <laughs> they don't like, other than their racism, like don't use like old timey language. Yeah. Like their language is like, feels very contemporary. Right, right. Where well, you, you like, can. You compare it to something like The Sting, which I love, yeah. but The Sting is full of like weird grifter con man lingo from the, the 20s and 30s. Yeah. That, like it, it's a comedy, so it works there, but this is trying for something more serious and mm -hmm. more immediate. And yeah, and the, yeah it, exactly. That language brings that to the front. It also like it, it doesn't like judge its characters for like their sexual proclivities. Like, like sure. its new characters like sleep with each other and they're <clears throat> once yeah yeah but, uh, but it's like a very like casual relationship yeah for like a, t a time which we think of as, as being like very uptight right uh, which it wasn't like people of were course it wasn't but the time the yeah. yeah 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 and but, i mean the one it does judge is the incest which it is correct to judge um but you're well, you're absolutely yeah. correct um that yeah it treats sexuality with uh, well it treats them like adults yeah like with a maturity yeah <clears throat> which is this is a mature movie um, in a good way, and uh, y you see that at every beat, every every step of the way, it's it's driving that home. Mm -hmm. um, It'll yeah, it does a good job of like using <coughs> LA geography too. Okay, um, at least if you're familiar with <laughs> LA geography, <laughs> which I I am not. Um, so like <coughs> they go to like when he first meets Noah Cross. Mm -hmm. They, they don't totally explain it, but he's gone to Catalina Island, which is essentially like a private uh, resort for Are rich people. A wine mixer? I mean, that that is the Catalina <laughs> Island. It's the same <laughs> island. Yeah. Um, but he's like at his like private resort in Catalina. And then... Um, is that what the Albacore Club was? Um, yeah. Yeah. And Catalina is still kind of like a, a pricey like sort of vacation place. Okay. I mean, it's more accessible now, but at the time would have been like, I would assume if this movie's correct, it's like this private, like yeah. rich getaway, right. essentially. Right. From uh, just off the mainland of, of LA. Um, and then there's the obvious use of Chinatown and like this sort of politics around that. And yeah. then later when he goes to hide, he goes <clears throat> down to um, uh, not Long Beach, but like next, the, there's an area, um, he goes to like Rancho Palos Verdes, I think, which is like in <laughs> in uh, southern Los Angeles, and okay. it, that's another like kind of like rich or like up, upper middle class neighborhood. But it's geographically far from like everything else that's happening. So it makes sense in the for movie. Him to, like, so make, flee there. Yeah, 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 exactly. So when he goes to see like his first client in the movie, uh -huh. that's where he goes, and that that would be like a good way to like sort of get out of Los Angeles proper. Sure. So, okay. like, the police wouldn't, and it would take you very far away from Chinatown. Yeah. Okay. Um, which, even now, would be, like, it would be, like, a two-and-a-half-hour drive from mm -hmm. there to uh, to Chinatown. Okay. Well, and, and, so, that's why the cop, like, he takes the cop away from where she's okay. going in Chinatown. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. Right. Yeah. See, and, it, and it makes sense that Polanski would know that, because he lived in L.A. for a while until yeah. he was forced into exile. Yeah. Um, but, again, the movie, like, doesn't, 
explain this. It only right. makes sense if you like know LA geography. Right. Yeah. Well, it not even makes sense, but it's yeah. only rewarding if you know LA yeah. geography, right? Because yeah. you don't need to know that to understand. I didn't know that, and I still appreciate. Well, I'm always happy when they do the, when they mm. do the geography, right? Yeah, yeah, because there's a lot of places that there are a lot of movies that there's don't. a lot of like like New York movies, and they just do it terribly yeah. wrong. Like there I was, was so distracted when I was watching John Wick 2. <laughs> yes. God. And they like get on the subway at Lincoln Center and then suddenly they're at the Oculus in the financial and, district. Yeah, it's like from Fulton, like the opposite end of town. Yeah. yeah, and I know like you gotta put together a good movie. Like some of the subway stations were actually in Montreal, I read. Okay. Um, You gotta you gotta put together the movie and most people aren't gonna care but as right. a New Yorker, like it's yeah, very I, distracting. I immediately noticed that yeah. and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's yeah. not where that is. Or even just like in this movie, it's about the San Fernando Valley, right? Yeah. That that like divide between the the valley, which literally divides uh-huh. uh, L.A. in half. Like understanding that that's like very separate from L.A. proper sure. is is like important to like. Mm-hmm. Oh, he actually like goes a very long way up into the valley, and he's in this orange orange fields, and that's like the valley was originally separate. just like farmland and yeah. separate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also that. Uh, yeah. The dry riverbed, he's like on the bridge next to it. Is that the famous like L.A. movie bridge, or is, it could does be. it just look like it? Yeah, because L.A. Like- at the time, I believe, like the is is actually like I mean, in L.A. still is this, but now L.A. is just like this endless like just houses from yeah. the shore all the way out into the desert. At the time, it would have been like downtown L.A. would have had like all the buildings, and then there would have been like a pretty empty separation between mm-hmm. downtown L.A. and and Long Beach. And so I think that that bridge is in downtown LA, but it's like pretty undeveloped. Um, okay. Yeah. So, because LA develops in like a very interesting way, and it's because of the water that it's able to sort of turn into the metropolis that it turns into, and and the freeway system, which <laughs> is what the third movie was supposed to be about. So yeah, we'll need someone else to make that. one. Yeah, it's really about like <clears throat> these of sort of moments in LA that were important to. Yeah forming it as a city hmm. yeah that's in, that is yeah. interesting yeah <clears throat> yeah and i like that it rewards that kind of stuff i think that that is it, and it makes it's sense like historically this, accurate and, yeah, and for, yeah and it makes sense what this movie's about right like right. i think that there are movies that are really concerned with being historically accurate where it doesn't really matter that much yeah whereas because of the subject matter here it being right about this stuff matters like yeah. and being right about this stuff it shows an attention to detail and a seriousness that these topics deserve. Um, so I like that. Which is impressive because it's like, it's historical fiction, right? <laughs> the, the framing of the movie is around a real thing, but right. the, the story is fake. And so be able to to like stick to the, the like sort of true essence of the historical moment almost makes it like right. more important to understanding right. well, and the I, history. Identifying the essence of it. Yeah. Right. Like the, being able to not just say, here's the thing that happened, but this is why this thing is important and this is how we can contextualize it and this is how we can dramatize it, mm-hmm. uh, which is why narrative is And it, like, it simplifies it, right? Like in real life, it was like a syndicate of rich people. In this <laughs> movie, we just see Noah Cross. And right. that that's like much more easy to like process yeah. like, as a story. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Yeah. So, like the details that it sacrifices are for the story. So that's like a good that's sacrifice. A, that is when you should be sacrificing yeah. details. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that is, that is correct. Yeah. So apparently, this whole script was based upon an article called Raymond Chandler's L.A. Really? Yeah. Okay. And uh, Raymond Chandler is the you know original owner of the L.A. Times. 
and no, and wrote the big sleep and mm -hmm. <laughs> you know all that stuff. Yeah. Um. So that's that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I, did not, I did not realize that. Yeah, because the, the Chandler family just had so much money and such that I went to grad school <laughs> <laughs> for a school that they what did discovered or established. Yeah, established. Yeah. Provided yeah. the yeah. initial grant for yeah. discovered and is right still <laughs> named for. We found this university. <laughs> Here it is. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a ton of stuff in LA that is still named after the Chandlers. Like there's a Chandler Pavilion. Isn't there a hotel? Uh, I don't know that. Okay. But maybe, probably. Okay. <laughs> yeah, a lot of stuff in LA is sort of like named after the rich people that founded well, it, which too. is totally normal. Yeah, 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 yeah that's exactly yeah. what happened. Yeah. 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 Who do you think Shemmerhorn was? It's just some rich dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think of this one? Well, we already talked about what you thought of it, but is yeah. this is this a thumbs up, thumbs down? Absolutely. Which one? Definitely a thumbs up. Okay. You recommend it to friends and family? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. Uh, I mean, I know there's definitely the type of person who wouldn't want to sit through a relatively slow movie, um, but, you know, if you're even the slightest into, like, a mystery or a detective caper, this is absolutely one of the better examples of it that I've seen. Definitely. Yeah. I guess I haven't seen that many, but... You know, well, it's that, up there. That's a fixable problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have the show for that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's good because even though, like, yeah, like, there's no, like, car chases in the movie, but it's still, like, exciting. Like, yeah. the, the events, even though they may not play out, like, super fast, are tense and exciting and, and thrilling, right? Like, there's yeah. a, a. I mean, that's why the screenplay is, is taught, right? Right. It's the quote unquote perfect screenplay. Right. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, it can make a, you yeah. know, a guy examining land holding. Uh, records <laughs> make that seem yeah at one point he's in like a library <laughs> yeah. for and it's, it's See, I like thought that was land sale records I did that in LA Noir <laughs> so well, where do you think it? they got it I yeah. like, oh I gotta find this information <laughs> yes. who, who done it exactly where do, you, where do you think that comes from yeah yeah and I love the snotty librarian in there. That kid's such a little shit. Such a <laughs> yeah. good character. Yeah. 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 Why does he care? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, but he would, right? If he's like, that's his job. He's like, very like passively aggressive. Right. He found his little kingdom. Right? Yeah, like, exactly. And, and that's what's okay. so great about this script is that they can have these little characters and like these little moments that give the city color and make it feel lived in and, and like show you the people that are being impacted by the, the thing that's happening. Like that. That's why it's good. It's not just funny. It's also like coloring the whole. Yeah, story. or like we haven't really spoke to it, but like kind of the menacing like mobster characters, the like enforcers yeah. of like Noah Cross are like, yeah. they're great characters too. Like they're, <clears throat> yeah, really good. One of which is Roman Polanski, I think. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's the one who cuts his nose. Yeah. Yeah. Which is such a just every time you see it, every time that I've seen it, it's it, just it, like Ew. you cringe every time. <laughs> oh. You flinch every single time, and it's it's this moment of violence that hits harder than like any of the punches it hits harder than Faye Dunaway getting shot because like you can imagine what that feels like right like you can yeah. you can almost feel it yourself like you know yeah. how awful that would be to ugh. it's such a threatening <clears throat> yeah. injury too like the threat yeah. is perfect yeah, yeah exactly it's like you will be disfigured for the rest of your life and everyone will immediately know and your life will never be the same yeah. like yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's gonna stick yeah. all right uh what do we got up next Rossman? it's your pick yeah um so I'd like to go back. Uh, I'd like to do uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, yes. I love this movie so much. I think it's overdue Yeah, I, that we've done it. I'm a huge fan of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, right. let's one, do one Lawrence of, the of Arabia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is an all-time fantastic movie. 
Um, so I'm super excited now. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I've, yeah. I haven't seen it in ages. So. <clears throat> yeah, this is probably yeah. the first time you've stolen a pick from me. This is definitely a movie <laughs> I would have I picked. And I, yeah, great pick. I love it. Okay. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Join us next week, please, for Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. It is a great one. Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can help us reach a larger audience by rating and reviewing it on iTunes. It only takes a minute and makes a big difference. Thanks, and enjoy the episode.